and go. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 4th of 2018. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh for HockeyHeads.com. And we're back. <laughs> uh, Cam has moved poolside. Yes, new house, new internet, and a pool. So, uh, you know, it takes a little bit to, to move house, as we all know. So that was the reason for the delay. Everything should uh, be smooth sailing now. Hopefully. One of the big reasons of moving was being able to not turn into a robot whilst doing this. And segueing into other things that are running smoothly, the, the Penguins. They've they've had a good 2018 so far. They were in a bad bad spot, all things considered, heading into the new year. And they've they've rattled off some some wins and done so um, good underlying numbers so that's that's a good sign uh, for the three-peat um, Yamir Yager Boo. not wanted by anybody Boo. Um, so we'll have to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> and the West just glancing at the standings right before um we started recording it's a lot of teams with exactly 60 points out of a playoff spot chasing a team with 61 points so the west is going to be pretty interesting down the stretch then maybe some all-star thoughts even though that was a week ago but hey yeah sorry about that um let's start off with the uh the flightless birds I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, gosh. They're a shoe-in now. Oh. <sighs> okay, so they've gone on a really, really good run right now, right? And what's it been driven by? It's been driven by three players. It hasn't even been driven by anybody on the back end. It's been driven by Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. And before they hit 30, I would bank on them playing like this the rest of the way. I just don't know if I can. And I don't know if they're going to get enough support. I don't think it's a great strategy to lean on those three like they have for the long term. But I think it's good enough to make the playoffs. Whether or not that gets them through the playoffs, that's when you're kind of getting into a dicey area. One thing I will say, though, is that Malcolm and Kessel's um, time on ice is low relative to the other scoring leaders in the league. So theoretically, they're not they're not playing them 21, 22 minutes a night trying to get wins. I just find that this team isn't producing enough around them when they... Look what happened against New Jersey. Who else stepped up to help the scoring for that game? No one. That's when you need the secondary scoring, when those guys have the quiet nights, not when they win 7-4 against... Washington, which was, you know, a great game, but that's where you need the, the, the help with the scoring. Well, certainly not helping that. <laughs> Sherry and Hornquist are out. No, and they replaced them with Reeves and blah. Well, it was Blas, Zach Aston Reese. Oh, it's just, 
I would, I'd rather Zach Aston Reese and Sprong in there, or even JS Day in there, besides what they're rolling out there at the moment. That's probably my biggest issue, is that quite obviously when this team stretches its lineup down the roster to the fourth line, they, they play really good hockey. They're playing three lines every time they play Reeves. And he didn't even do his job against Washington anyway. Well, I mean, that's just the, the running punchline of the season. It's it's comical at this point. His defenders are the biggest comedy act and that's hockey related. I don't I just I don't understand it. If there was ever a game to go out and do something and, and get retribution, that was it. You're up seven four and they didn't even bother putting him out in the ice. So I just I don't understand it. Um, it drives me bonkers. Um, the the rationale for having that role would be to deter something. But we've already gotten even past that to where everybody's like, well, you can't. That, of course not. You just want a retribution. Well, he he doesn't do that either. No, no. This the, is like uh, the George Larac thing from years ago where he thought he was a hockey player and not a, you know, the role that he's supposed to be. The, yeah. A pointless role, but, like, they don't even own the role they're supposed to be. The uh, The shade thrown by the Penguins broadcast team after all the stuff in the Washington game with um, Reeves just sitting there on the bench after all the garbage, it's like, yep, that's exactly right. Staring down Tom Wilson. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, sure Tom, Tom's shaking. Nah, he's probably just delivering borderline headshots. So do you... You, you reckon they're a shoo-in? They're, they're not going to miss? I'd be really surprised. I don't see any other teams in the Metro really tearing it up. No, you're not wrong with that. I just don't trust this team to play the next 28 games the way they've played these 28, the last 10 games they've played. I mean, they're going to need no injuries to, to the big dogs. Yep. Any one of those three go down and you can almost... It's going to be tough. I still think that they need they need to make sure that they just have to play the hot goalie as well. I think Murray will end up being okay. Uh, it's it is funny you can you, you know Sean Tierney's graphs how Pittsburgh wasn't on them. Mm-hmm. They're just starting to slowly. You can see them now. You've got the whole logo in the graph. They are starting to head back to where you would expect. It does help when Gino's shooting 27%. The goaltending's been better. It has. Which one? You know, it hasn't really mattered. It's been better than it was earlier in the year. And it remains to be seen how much of that uh, family stuff was, you know, weighing on Murray. You just never know. And hopefully it frees him up now to just be crystal clear with what he needs to think about with his with his job and can move forward. I would fully understand it if he doesn't quite get right, though. I'm not going to hold it against him. I think it's a reasonable hypothesis that that was impacting his play. Yeah, you're not really going out in the limb, are you? <laughs> no. I, but I'm also... I don't talk to him, so there's that. He needs to come to Rochester more often. <laughs> You know, 
even when he was down with Wilkes-Barre, the, the baby penguins never come here. They're, the AHL's setup is weird. The Rochester Amherst are in the Western Conference. Say Very what? strange. Yep. <laughs> Hang on. So Pittsburgh's further west than Rochester, and Wilkesbury is further west than Rochester, and uh, they're they're east of Rochester. Are they really Wilkesbury? I didn't not, know they were that not far. Not by across. a ton. Not by <laughs> a ton. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think Toronto's in the west. I don't know. Whatever. At most, they come once a year. So can you see? Me. Can you see this team making a move that helps them out, though? Well, I think they've made a few already that um, were overdue. Uh, I think benching Hunwick and playing Cole has helped a lot. To the point yeah. where I don't think trading Cole is even worth the the return. And I know that you can make the argument that Hunwick was brought in as insurance for the trading of Ian Cole. Who buys that insurance plan? Correct. Three years and eh, yep. whatever. And that's that's the bit that you know if you had him for a year or whatever or two, I could understand that. But not at a higher rate than Cole. Um, if I was, I'd be trying to move him, but, you know, that would be admitting a mistake. Which is fine. Which GMs admit they make a mistake? Very few of them. Lower level stuff. Easier to do. That's true. Which is exactly what that is. You know, Lexiak, it, it he's not, doesn't have the largest sample. Um, but he's, a, he's a bizarre one to me his eye test he looks great at times like when he gets open and starts skating he looks great I like that he um, despite the you know size and physical aspects of players usually you're not expecting controlled entries and stuff but he'll skate it and, and not look to dump it in and I do like that Oh yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't mind uh, getting it and wheeling it. And there's a little bit of Justin Schultz about the way he's playing, in the sense that, oh, I can do this and I won't cop retribution as soon as it goes wrong. You can see yeah. that he's not nowhere near as scared as what it sounds like he was in Dallas. But his possession's similar to what what it was in Dallas. In fact, his possession with Pittsburgh in 19 games played is the lowest of his career. I think that's contrary to... The way he looks on the ice. And it's at 48.67, so it's not like... We're not talking like 45%, but... You know, every other year in Dallas, he's in the 49s or 50 I think the thing for me is that he looks the part. He would have driven Dallas fans nuts, I think, because he looks the part. Looks like he should be able to do a lot. And then you go, he doesn't really move the needle position-wise, and I, I think he gets out-leveraged on the boards by the smaller guys. So it, he doesn't make any glaring crystal old, team old, type old mistakes. Rules, he probably he probably own, <laughs> own them. 
absolutely just I, grab I'm, hold and throw people yep and i'm glad that he can't do that now but he doesn't make any glaring mistakes though either so the i guess my point... issue is <clears throat> when you look relative possession he's been a negative everywhere in his career yeah and that can be a concern and this year it's actually pretty evenly split with Dallas and Pittsburgh negative 5.88% in Dallas negative 5.39% in Pittsburgh and that this would be his lowest of his career so relative to his teammates uh, looking the part or not but bottom pairing guy looking to extend plays as opposed to dumping it in depending on the forwards on the ice you could still make the possession stuff work if he's facilitating to better players and they can make something happen. It's yeah, not a Rob Skinnery situation, put it no, that way. No, 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 not at all. You just you need the, the, the talent deeper in the lineup. And even without the injuries, they were... Their best hockey, the, the Penguins' best hockey came when Reeves was out of the lineup. And I think long-term, he won't be in the lineup. But right now, for whatever reason, well, not whatever reason, Hornquist, Sheary are out. I agree with you. I'd, I'd put Sprong and Aston Reese in. I mean, he had Tom Kuhnhockel starting. The, he, he didn't finish the game there, but he was on Malkin's wing. Yeah. Like, come on. Oh, I know. Aston Reese, welcome to the NHL. Here, you got Rowney and Reeves. Have fun. Like, cool. (laughs) It's not exactly what I'd call putting a guy in a position to succeed. No, it's kind of the opposite. But the Aston Reese stuff, um, a little bit encouraging that he had like 20 points in 20 AHL games leading up to his promotion. I guess earlier in the year he had some dental thing. Yeah. It, you, his scoring just, was, was very bad. Cause what, is it supposed to be a point per game in the AHL? And you, you've got... At his age. Yeah. And it's not a guarantee, but if you're getting a point per game as a forward at age, I think he's... 22 or 23. 23. Yeah, because he did the college route. And if you're doing that, you know, you like Sherry was doing that. Yep, that's true. And you can kind of forecast a little bit. Uh, when when the players are struggling to hit that mark as a forward, you the, the chances aren't all that great. Well, that's the the issue with Sprong. He was below that point per game. I think he's close to it. Well, whatever uh, the case with Sprong, he uh, leads the Penguins in possession in his eight or nine games. Yeah. Small sample, of course. Um, But that was his sample. He wasn't a liability in any stretch of the imagination. Even when he wasn't scoring, the puck was still more often in the other team's zone. Yeah, you can't really uh, ask for much more than that from a guy that you know everybody keeps saying, "Oh, he's got issues." 
Oh, and um, Corey Pronman went to the AHL All-Star uh, event in Utica and spoke with Sprong about... Actually, no, he just wanted to speak with Sprong, and Sprong brought up the uh, advanced stats, not Corey. Yeah, he's all over but, it. Yeah, he's he's very self-aware, and he admitted maybe in juniors I wasn't great defensively, but I've made efforts in that, and you can look at my possession and he's referencing his numbers and it's like well yeah you're right and here's the thing he has no leverage whatsoever because that's how the rfa stuff works in the nhl but in um in another world where all players were ufa not rfa players like sprung could be like you know what i'm tired of being told that I need to work on this and that. My numbers are this. Why don't you go tell the other player they need to work on this and that? I'm going to continue to do my job. And some people will think that's uh, a bad attitude for a player to have, but I would say that's poor evaluation. And it deserves to be called out. Yeah, I don't think that's grandstanding at all or anything along those lines. It's literally my numbers prove that I'm doing what you want me to do. Here's the evidence. Yeah, here it is. Let me play, please. And more and more players as um, the years continue to go on, because we were, it's only been a decade since this stuff has been out. You're going to have a generation of players that uh, read articles growing up uh, with these basic concepts that people have called fancy for whatever reason, and they're going to be like, listen, I can see what I'm doing. The information's public. Like, what the fuck? Uh, they need to... <clears throat> teams need to get on and get on quick. Really? Don't they? I just thought it was funny. He, he brought that up. So he's very self-aware, and if they continue to jerk him around... I guess they can continue to do so because of the RFA stuff, but I could easily see a situation where if that was removed, you'd have players like Sprung being like, fine, forget it. Somebody will play me. It'd make the league more interesting. Yeah, well, this is the thing. We've got two years until the next lockout. The younger guys need to have a larger say than the older guys, and that never happens. That's why none of this ever shifts. It's because the older guys get more of a say than the younger guys, and the younger guys just wait their turn, and then it's like, well, I don't want to make it. Some of the bigger RFAs are getting paid a little sooner. So maybe there's a mild potential for a little bit of a shift. Yeah. I hope you're right. <clears throat> right. Me. I mean, the some of these contracts are higher than they used to be. Because teams are, I think, understanding the aging curve uh, slightly better. I don't think they grasp it altogether. No, that's true. But yeah, two years we'll we'll have no hockey, so that'll be fun. What are we gonna talk about then? I don't know. Become an entertainment podcast, I guess. Yeah, Crocodile Dundee 5 comes out next week, I think. Oh, isn't that just an ad campaign? 
Um, but we we talked about the big three being um, kind of an issue to rely on, but it's been a good time to rely on them. I'd like to compliment. Uh, I think Gino has eight goals in four games. Gino has been Kessel, amazing. Phil Kessel's on pace for like ninety-six points. Kessel's been amazing. And a lot of it has been power play, but you know what? That power play looks great. It, they finally it's... got the every player consistently in a spot that makes more sense. And it plays to everybody's strength, and they can all move the puck almost at will to where they want it to, um, outside of maybe Hornquist, but he's he's in his appropriate but the power play goal that he scored against Washington was just non- nothing. Ab- <coughs> Sorry, nothing about it was fancy, but it was just so effective. Uh, yeah. Everything, everything worked exactly how you would want it to if you're designing a power play. As far as I could see, it looked fantastic. Having Kessel and Malkin opposite of each other puts real strain on. Because normally you can, uh, this power play, it used to run through the right side because it was Crosby and Malkin. Now it's equally run through the Kessel side. So now you're stretching uh, the, the killers out a little bit more. And players like Hornquist can find small, little squeaky soft spots. And when you get the puck down low to Sid, who better to pass into those spots and all it takes is that one tiny moment, and that's what you got against the Capitals. <clears throat> it's one of those things where this isn't a, a negative of Sid, but Phil Kessel, I, I think, is one of the best uh, quarterbacks of the power play on that half wall that I've seen. Because he's got that shot, teams have to respect it. And, and not the one-timer either. Just... No, 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 not, not at all. But he, the puck goes through him. He doesn't wait for it like Ovi does in, over on that side of the ice. The puck goes through him, and he just flips a wrister or flips a pass to, to the back door or, or something like that. Or, goes, or, or draws the top killer down because he's a threat to come around the circle and shoot and feeds it to Latang, who then facilitates it to the other side. Now the killers oh. have to reset. I wish he would shoot a little more often than he does from there, but yes, it's it's brilliant how they 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 rotate that through. Yeah, it's um, it's been good to watch. I, I've I've enjoyed it, and then you get Phil coming down the wing, going bar down against Washington as well. That, that was beautiful. <laughs> that's that's a Phil goal. And and Sid's been better. Sid was really struggling at even strength earlier in the year. He's he's been a, a little bit better there. It's been a weird year uh, as far as that's been concerned. Darren, intru- the last couple of years you can kind of complain about them being boring because they've been winning. This year, though, it's not been the case. There's been a lot of interesting slash weird stuff that's going on with with this team and it's it's definitely uh, much more fun 
I think Carl Hagelin probably deserves uh, some compliments uh, for his last 10 games. He's either got 9 or 10 points, which is way more than he got the, the first 40-something games. Yeah, he's definitely going through a much better patch than he had at the start of the year. I, I think, for me, if, if I'm going to look like a complete fool and this team is going to make the playoffs, I think they need Chris Letang to have a little bit of a Kyle Hagelin turnaround. At some point, he has to start making crisper plays, crisper decisions. I, I don't think I've seen him get turnstiled more in any of his other seasons like he has this year in the back end. He second-guesses himself at the moment. It's he's, Whatever confidence he's had... 2013 was um, a year that wasn't going well for him, if I can recall correctly. Well, they and, need and you know what? The, the lockout shortened year, he was a Norris finalist and should have been, but that Islander series was not uh, not his best look. No. Of course, Flurry wasn't helping that. That was, was uh, uh, the year Vokun took over. That's right. But if we're being honest, um, Latang, the issue with Latang is the mistakes are obvious. The pros to his game are subtle at times, even though he's an explosive player. Uh, the, the little tiny things he does, um, being able to turn the puck up quick and just hit a guy, whereas maybe that play doesn't develop as fast for somebody else and they kind of have to rag it back. He's at almost 55% possession for the year, so it's tough for me to say he's having a bad year. He's had bad moments. And maybe those moments are uh, more than they were before, but it's it's tough to get, you know, be too too hard on them. No, I, the point you make's a, a valid one. It just it once again this is the the numbers and the eye test scenario where he just doesn't look as decisive to me out on the ice. Meaning if he was making better decisions at those particular points in the game that I see, imagine how much better he'd be pushing that 58% possession because he wouldn't be bleeding a shot where he bleeds them or he wouldn't wouldn't be allowing a zone entry because he'd force them offside. His gap control this year is not what I'm used to seeing. Um, I just wish he'd get back to being the normal aggressive Chris Letang where he just trusts in his physical attributes when he gets something wrong and I don't think he's lost a step yet Um, he hasn't lost a step no so it it really does feel for me and I've thought this all year the imperative the team has had for him to play differently to what he has prior to the neck injury I think is slowing his thought process down just enough that's got him off kilter well it's high danger percentage is 54% which is good. Scoring chance percentage is 55. So, you know, he may be giving up some of these um, pretty crummy looking, like, I believe Ovechkin got him wide. That led to a goal against Washington. Yeah, but that's that's Ovi, though. Like, you can forgive Latang for being turnstiled by Ovi. You're just not used to seeing it happen very often. And when you're in a year where he's getting criticized a lot, 
that sticks in your head much more than, like you said, the the ability to, to get a quick up on the stick of somebody so they don't have to rag it back. The real issue here, and I think it clouds the Latang conversation, his on ice save percentage is 88.1. <laughs> so the goals are going in, and it looks worse, but it's 88.1. Like, that's not very good. And quite frankly, that's on the goalie. Well, and the other thing about that is the one where he did get turnstiled by Ovi still bounced in off Dumoulin anyway. So if you're going to get there and run with a whole bunch of bad luck on Latang, that's bad luck there. Yeah, he got turnstiled, but the puck still did bounce in off one of his own teammates. Yeah, where's so, Latang? So what do you do? Latang's 24th out of 29 players in on ice save percentage, and that's including anybody who literally played. So the only people below him are Rowney, Archibald, Wilson, Trotman, Aston Reese, guys that have combined for Barely 10 played, games, yeah. maybe. Outside of Rowney. But, yeah. So, <laughs> I think Latang is still excellent. He's still their best. There's been some moments that have been frustrating, and you know, that's that's the sport. Well, so. absolutely. I'm trying to think. Eh, that about covers everything with them. All right, let's get on to the X Penguin. Yeah, I, that, man. I didn't think that Yager leaving the NHL would be like a fanfare farewell tour per se. But I didn't. I wasn't hoping for this. I thought it would be this. It, it's the most Jaeger thing ever. He's been such a massive part of the league and a massive part of hockey for me for all these years and for yourself. And to have him just sort of peter away out, out of nowhere and it just makes perfect sense for me. It's just what he's like. It just happens that way. Yeah, it's. Um... I guess the frustrating part here is I, I did look into his underlying numbers even in Calgary and it still speaks to that of an NHL player maybe not to the standard that everybody's accustomed to but I mean Cody McLeod gets claimed the only thing I can think of is Yager's like fuck it I'm done like and he's a, injured a him choice and, and he's injured Apparently like, not injured he, enough to pick up some points yesterday. <laughs> He's playing on one knee. And he had two assists he, in the first period in a game against Peter Nedved. I've read that. That's freaking hilarious. But it's disappointing that he's out of the league and that he's he's left the way he has. Like I said, it doesn't surprise me that he, he left this way, but it's disappointing that, that he has and... You know, his numbers should go up in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. I know there are some Penguins fans that aren't ex exactly ecstatic about that opinion, but that's the reality. I think one of my 
tweets I enjoyed the most was from Ryan Mance. Yamir Yager's hockey career is older than NHL teams in 14 cities and 29 <laughs> arenas. <laughs> That's very good. That's very, very good. And he, and he was still a 1.5 points per 60 guy when when they kind of put him on waivers. It has to be his choice, surely. What is he, second in goals? I think so, and second in games. Anyway, I know that. Very second in points. He's second in a lot, I bet. <laughs> Let me look that up. He's up what there. He is, what he is is he's good. That's the thing. Second all-time in NHL scoring. He's um, third in games played and third in goals. He's going to be missed. And a lot of people are trying to figure out where he belongs all time. Um, Yeah, he's top five. I I don't know how you don't put him there. He's European and he had a little bit of a me attitude. That's how they don't. Like, don't throw Gordie Howe at me. <laughs> Get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that. I mean, look at how old he's been in the last decade. Like, he's 45 about... He'll be 46 in a few days. Yeah. Still putting up... That Devil's year, he, in, in the one year in Florida, he's putting up 60-something points. In the modern era, all speed, when he lost it all, and goalies that take up the whole net, he's still doing it. Oh, actually, there is something I want to bring up about this kind of stuff. That Mike Fisher coming back, that stinks. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how it helps him. He wasn't good last year. That's not the part that I'd say stinks. That's cap circumvention if I ever saw it. Oh, yeah. Or was it... Did he retire with money left on, or did he... No, 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 no. He retired with no money left on, right? So they got his cap space back. But he just it just so happens to be the amount of money they needed to, to get tourists in under the cap, right? And now he's going to come back and play a half a year? Is it circumvention, though, if his contract expired? Well, was he ever going to come back and play a whole 82 games at $1.1 million or something? I mean, that, eh, I think that one people can live with. Cause, now, if he had a $3 million left on his for this no, year and, and he retired, and then, like, I think that would hey. be... And you're you're exactly right. The fact that he was well, Nashville's not circumventing the fact that he ain't going to help him. No, I wasn't arguing that point at all. Um, I reckon Yeager would help them on one leg more than Hosa coming back for the Blackhawks would be. Yeah, absolutely. It's sad to see Yeager go, but it had to happen at some stage. Did it? Did it? <laughs> if you look at, like you said though, if you look at his numbers, he can still contribute a hell of a lot more than. 
I suppose he's he's thirty one teams br- now. His absolute brilliance is a negative for him when people compare him now to what he was. And if that's their expectation of what they're getting from him, then they're idiots. Like like you said, Cody McLeod gets picked up but he doesn't. Where's the where's the point in that? You know, I've advocated Yager to Pittsburgh for many Yager watches. I think this was the <laughs> one year where it didn't quite fit. I mean, it's a speed lead now. I mean, yeah. Him over Ryan Reeves, of course. Duh. But I would also say just put Sprong there. So it was sad that it wasn't an active Yager watch for me. <laughs> As far as selfish reasons are concerned, I um, this was the first year where I um, didn't truly think it was a fit. Prior to this year, though, there were plenty of opportunities um, uh, that I thought made sense on ice, not just nostalgia. But, um, you know, in those numbers, uh, it's fair to say, you know, the KHL time off, um, while it may have invigorated him to continue to play longer, uh, it was still three years where you could suggest he was going to have some great stats. Oh, he'd obliterate some of the, Well, imagine, yeah, just going three years at 60, it's another 180 points. He's He's literally been impacted by every lockout. Yeah. So... Think about 94-95 lockout. That's 40 games of his absolute ripping and roaring prime. Even though it was the uh, dead, dead, dead puck era. Yeah. And then 04-05, he was MVP finalist not too long before that. He was killing it in New York. He was so, in New York then, right? What, it, what was it, last summer? I said Yager's better than Gretzky. (laughs) (laughs) I still feel that way. And we do a lot with stats on on this podcast. But just, as I said before, go YouTube some highlights and tell me that. (laughs) Like, give me a break. You know? He carried a few Pittsburgh teams that weren't very good to second-round playoffs. The 99 was um, not Gretzky the year, um, which happened to be the year he retired. The 1999 Devils-Penguins was a real murky time for Pittsburgh. I believe it wasn't even relocation threats. It was, yeah, this team's not even worth relocating. We're just going to dissolve the team. Walter White putting great. putting his victims in a barrel of acid. Just yeah, you're done. Just go, go dissolve <laughs> somewhere. And had a really pulled slash torn groin, and they were gonna lose to the Devils. And he single-handedly either tied the game and then won it. And they got to make a little bit more money kept the team alive for a little bit and then it wasn't far long after that that Mario uh, did his thing with that and you know Mario gets a lot of credit for saving the Penguins and he should 
I think uh, the misconstrued Dying Alive comment has superseded Yager's contributions for keeping the team alive. I think that quote has famously been taken out of context. And quite frankly, even if it wasn't, who cares? They were literally not paying him his cash money. (laughs) Yeah, it's... it's It was a shit situation for the world's best player at the time. Um, It will be interesting to see when they do... Because they'll have to do a 30 and 30 on him, right? Yes. Like... Or a thirty and thirty What's on the point on... of that that um, medium, if not for a story yeah. like that. So, but to cover Jaeger in that that time and to to cover off on those particular things that you just mentioned would be would be fascinating if you can get some behind the scenes looks at you know what the team was going through, what he was going through, um, how close they were to being dissolved. Really close. How, how that playoff series win kept the team there for another year to allow, you know, Mario to get a group together to come in and, and take over the team. Yeah, he, you know, gets trashed out for being a unique individual that, that didn't mind saying he wanted out of a city that adored him. But, you know, he still managed to... If his number doesn't go up in the next two years, I will be very surprised. And now, I guess, um, he can get his number retired in Pittsburgh. Yep. Now that he's, uh, well, I guess he's not officially done. What's to stop him from coming back in the fall if, if the knee thing is better? Could all happen again. Um, he only has one MVP. I think he was pretty much jobbed a few times. I think the the Pronger year was the worst of them. <laughs> he won the Art Ross Trophy five times. He has one MVP. How many times does the Art Ross guy just get handed the trophy? Yeah, well, Sid got jobbed with one because didn't Corey Perry beat him at the post? Oh, I did a feature on this a few years back while I was on vacation. Yeah, Sid got jobbed a few years. Sid should have like four. There were I years remember. there were years where Ovi had one that it should have went to Sid and there was a year I think Ovi got boned and didn't get one. Um yeah, this was a few few years ago I did this. I can't quite remember. But Sid's Sid's been robbed a few times on that award. I still I, I think noticed... the twenty twelve thirteen one where he had the broken jaw, yet still finished like one point behind Saint Louis for the Art Ross, despite missing a month and a half in a shortened season. Yeah, that was the year Ovi went on a massive tear at the end of the year. But it doesn't take into consideration he was pretty bad the first part. So no, I guess, I guess that, I guess that is... argument is, well, Ovi wasn't good while playing. Sid wasn't getting points because he literally had a broken jaw. 
So are we going to hold injury against them or poor, like, somebody's poor play while they were healthy? Just remember, the the argument is um, points at the end of the year are worth more than points at the start of the year. You do realize that, right? Yeah, I know. That's that's how it goes. And I I don't like the... um, parameters of the heart trophy anyways i don't think this most valuable to a team is i i think that's the stupidest that brings in so many variables that have nothing to do with the players themselves. yes but it keeps it nice and murky so you can vote for whoever you want and not look you like still a dick. can it should just be the most outstanding player Sid's never going to be the most valuable player to a team as long as Evgeny Malkin's on the same team by definition because they're both amazing. They're one and two in the freaking their careers of active players and points per game. How and could either of them ever win that award? And that's exactly the argument people make. Oh, Sid's not the most valuable to his team. They've got Gino. Of course not. <laughs> so it, it, you look at it in that sense, it's like any team that's got a duo that you so need let's to find have the, to win a let's cup. find the star player who has a good year with shit around him. That's the heart trophy, by definition. It should just be most theor- outstanding. Because theoretically, Conor McDavid won't win one because he's got Dreisaitl and he's got... Well, his argument to win one's a lot better than Sid's. <laughs> I, realize, I realize that, though, but every team that's going to try and contend and be any good has to at least have a duo. So you're never going to, like you said, you're never going to get a team that makes the playoffs that has an MVP, which goes against the entire point of having an MVP player on your team. It should just be most outstanding, and um, that's the easiest fix for it. Absolutely. So, Yager, better than Gretzky. (laughs) That should be a popular take. (laughs) I'm looking at the NHL's uh, site they did a that thing for Yager. He had 149 points. That was his career high. 62 goals, 87 assists in 95-96. 62 goals. You know what the problem was? He he didn't he didn't get the MVP that year. Who did 95-96? Uh, I believe it was his line mate. He had 12 more points. Mario Lemieux had 161. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Imagine that, having 149 and just... Coming up short. The guy next to you still a dozen better. I think Mario won the MVP that year. I mean, 161. He must have. And I'll tell you what, 161 is a hell of a lot different in the mid-90s than a, a, a Gretzky 180-whatever in the fucking early 80s. The freewheeling 80s. Freewheeling. Fucking bunch of donkeys that can't skate and goalies that look shittier than any high school goalie around now. Yeah, and boy, what a bias. The NHL's top 100. How many fucking players came from that era? Yeah, but the numbers are easy to, to justify. That's the that's the thing. There's there's no adjusting for error with any of the the way they did that. It's yeah, that was an absolute joke. 
what they did. I should probably say that Wayne was one of my favorite players growing up, so it's not an anti-Wayne thing that I have going on. I just look back at the highlights, and I'm like, Jesus, huh? no, no, just <laughs> just no. <laughs> like, honestly, is... type in Wayne Gretzky into YouTube and watch it. It's not... It, it's, you you it watch is... it, and I can't... If, if you've been around hockey and watched a lot of it, you can't process that style and, and those goals and be like, yeah, that's the best ever. It's um, it's funny when you were talking about the eras, like the 80s, compare it to the 90s and what Jaeger managed to do through the 90s because... And the 2000s you, and the 2010s. Yeah. <laughs> but you watch, you watch the, the highlights of some of those playoffs that he was a part of and, you know, I bitch and moan now about the fact that the rules are a different set of rules in the playoffs is <clears throat> basically just gang tackle and, and wakeboarding on the guys with the puck. I don't even know why they bothered to have officials out there. They were basically robbing the league blind because they didn't make any calls. And for star players in any team in that era, it would have been absolute hell, but he managed to dominate. And you know what? With Mario and without. Yeah, that's the other thing. Without his partner in crime, I mean, he did have Kovalev and and Stracker and I don't think he Robert played Lang with him. I I swear they were in the '99 year. Maybe not Robert. I reckon they were. The three of them were. Oh, I don't mean on the team. I don't think he played with them on a line. I think he was always attached to anybody else. Herdina. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I was. I was young then. He wasn't, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... You'd have been 20 then. Actually, no. no, you'd have been younger than that, because I was 20 then. 99? I was, yeah. like, 16. I was 20. I was still in high school when... Uh, Mario came back. I was a freshman in college. I was still at uni. It was great. <laughs> I was really pumped. I actually went to a few games at the Igloo after Mario came back. One of which I was actually uh, on the glass next to the aisle they came out. So I got Lemieux and Yager. Uh, boy, are they big human beings. Um, but that motherfucker Jeff Halpern had to score in overtime in the playoffs at that one. <laughs> but I did get a... Uh, John Barbaro, uh, Lemieux call in the playoffs. That's, is, uh, that's the one thing that I never got when I went to Pittsburgh. The poor man was ill, and he wasn't wasn't doing the games when I was there. That was the one thing I was really hanging out to hear was just his his calling of a couple of goals, and I got to see a couple of hat tricks. That so would have been awesome. Uh, the one game I went to in the regular season was a Devils game. And Pittsburgh got down three nothing. So this was like two thousand oh one season. And yes, that was not a good time to go down three nothing to the Devils. And I was like, "Fuck this! This game's gonna be horseshit." I can't believe this is the game I went to. <laughs> and um, you know, Mario wasn't looking great. He was kind of cherry picking and stuff like that. But it was either Kovalev or Straka. They actually tied the game, and if. Kovalev or Straka scored in overtime. 
which it was a five minute overtime, but it was five on five. So that, you know, it wasn't like it is now where you can expect probably maybe a goal in overtime. And there was a shootout. So the hat trick goal was in overtime and the hats were flying. It was a good, uh, good moment. I went from an ultimate low of fuck the devils, the boring pieces of shit (laughs) to fuck you devils. Yeah, this is what you get. <laughs> so that was a good. It was an afternoon game too, so we had a lot of fun afterwards. Oh, that's what you're supposed to do. My friend um, went to—I forget which school—but he lived in downtown Pittsburgh, so that was fun. Um, yeah. I know we said we're gonna. That- talk about the west but um unfortunately i think um that's not going to work on my end (laughs) you're out of time and you have a super bowl to enjoy i believe you know um i'll speak briefly about the super bowl i haven't really thought about it i hate the two-week gap in between so i just kind of tune everything out no regardless of who's playing well i probably wouldn't tune it out if the bills were playing i'd probably eat that up but (laughs) I think with the Patriots being involved, it's kind of, even for people that hate them, kind of run its course. It's it's not as uh, interesting. But unlike most Bills fans, I'm I'm all for the Patriots to keep winning because it it's a nice baked-in excuse for the Bills for the last two decades. <laughs> See? We really couldn't do anything. This fucking team just keeps winning. It's not and I think fault. that's part true. They start every year 0-2. That means you got to go like 10-4 and 4 the rest of the way. Yeah, no, no. Make the playoffs. That's not, that's not a lot of wiggle room. No, you're right. So um, I'm, I'm good with either team winning. I wish Carson Wentz was playing as opposed to Nick Foles. I think that would be more interesting, but... I'm okay if the Eagles win. I'm okay if the Patriots win. I really don't give a shit. I want a good game. Who knows? Patriots Super Bowls are classically... um, I think they're all, like, within three points. So. Well. Well, it sounds like you're getting busy over there. We should probably let you go. Yeah, I'm just staring into the abyss of the little one trying to bang down the door and then getting told no and then crying all right (laughs) well let's let you out of here and um hopefully we'll get back to a a week-to-week schedule and not this uh one-on-one off that we've been going through well great podcast penguins and yager we can do that every week i'm good with that absolutely so um thanks for listening itunes patreon.com slash hockey hurts HockeyHerds.com, HockeyHerds Facebook, Hockey Buzz, Penguin stuff. Um, at Walshy66, at Hockey underscore Hertz, at Gunnerstall. Did I cover everything? You did. Tick, 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 tick. Cool. All right. See you.